We all require mothers to be in this world, and we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you do what you do. And, you know, this is a tough day for some people. Some of us that have lost their moms, I can relate. And maybe some that want to be a mom, and they haven't been able to be a mom yet. So happy Mother's Day. We celebrate you. We honor you for every single thing that you do and all the sacrifices you make to make your family work. Because if you have a good mama, or if you have had a good mama, you know that the things they do and the sacrifices they make to make what everybody else does possible are huge. Late nights, early mornings, prepping, doing, all the things that mom does, we're grateful. Amen? We're just simply grateful. So happy Mother's Day. We hope you enjoy your day. We hope it's special and that somebody loves you like you've loved everybody else. So today I want to continue with our worship series and... There's something about what we're going to talk about today. Pastor Andrew last week talked about what worship is, and and today we're going to talk about how we worship. And there's something, there's some some things I'll ask you, some things I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself about, and then I want to get into the nitty-gritty of how we worship God and what that looks like for our life and, and how that impacts us. So so let worship defined is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. You're feeling or expressing reverence or adoration for a deity. That's the what definition. And there's another definition below that, and that is the how. It's showing reverence and adoration for a deity. Honor with religious rites. Synonyms to worship are these. Revere, reverence, venerate, pay homage to, Honor, adore, praise, pray to, glorify, exalt, extol. Those are, if, if worship is the noun, those are the verbs. And that's, that's how you do, that's what you do. And today is all about the how of how we worship. If, if I were to ask every one of you individually how we worship, what does that look like, I would get a wide range of answers. I, I believe it, it would be varied across the, across the congregation today. Um, some of you, you, you might say clap your hands. Some of you might say sing. Some of you might pr- say pray. But most every response would be a physical act or a demonstration of some sort. Isn't that true? We, when we think we're, that we're worshiping God, we're thinking a physical act or a demonstration, something that we do that worships God. And, and, and that's what we're talking about is the how. Some acts of believers for different religions uh, go to the extreme. They do. Some people handle snakes. That wouldn't be me. I don't like snakes. I mean, I, I would have a heart attack just being in the building with all the snakes. That's, that's just not who I am. Um, some, some people feed infants to crocodiles as an act or symbol of their worship or their, their devotion to their God. It's very real. Some people in different religions... They, they allow themselves to be hung, suspended off the ground by hooks in their flesh. And that's an act of worship in their religion. And, and they say that's how they, they worship their God. And there are many other extremes. And, and you may think they're all crazy, and I would be inclined to agree with you, because that's pretty crazy and extreme. But, but that's what they do, and that's, that's how they show their devotion. And we're not going to handle snakes, or I wouldn't be here. So you can all relax and rest assured about that. 
And we can also rest assured we're not going to feed anybody crocodiles and we're not going to hang anybody out by hooks from, through their skin. None of that's going to happen. But if I were to ask you, how do we worship, you're going to have an answer. Psalm 95, 6 says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The psalmist here paints a picture of someone being very reverent, very, very contrite, very kneeling and in posture says, I'm submitting myself to you. And that's the picture he paints of, of worshiping. Who should we worship? Matthew 4 says, Jesus said to him, away. This is when Satan is tempting Jesus. He said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That we're only to worship God and we're only to serve him. And that's what Jesus is talking. That's what he told Satan about. So, so let's go back to the question I mentioned to you earlier. What do you consider to be worship? Who's ever had a cold or the flu? Only about 80 of y'all ever had a cold or a flu. Good for the rest of you who's always healthy and never sick. Never been sick a day in your life, right? Think about how, how do you know you have the flu? You have a fever. You have snot running everywhere. Your ears are stopped up. Your throat hurts. You're just, you feel achy from head to toe. You're miserable. But is, is the snot the flu? Is the fever the flu? Are the chills the flu? Are the body aches the flu? None of those things are the flu. They're simply symptoms of a virus that's in your body. So while those things aren't the flu, they're evidence of you having what? The flu. So none of those things, snot isn't the flu, and the fever isn't the flu. The flu is in you, but those things are just outward symptoms. They're evidence that you have the flu. There's something that we demonstrate when we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Isn't there? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's in Ephesians 5. And it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that follow us around when we're filled with the Spirit of God. And that's the evidence that we have God living inside of us. Most, most of the things we think of when it comes to worship, most of the things that we, those actions that I was talking about a few minutes ago, most of those things, they can be considered an act of worship, but they're really just symptoms of something deeper going on. Does that make sense? They're really just symptoms outwardly of something going on deeper inwardly. Sin is the evidence of a sinful heart. It's our, it's our sinful nature acting out. When we do something bad in traffic, or we say something we know we shouldn't, or we interact with a person that we know we shouldn't interact with like that, that's the evidence of a sinful nature getting out of us. And the things that we do in worship are just a, some, the sign of something deeper going on. And that's what we're going to get. Worship is a heart condition. Worship is a heart condition. In Romans 12, I'm going to read two versions of the scripture. King James says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The NIV says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here's the meat of the matter. Here's where it gets into where we live. Here, here is, is what worship really is. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Back up to verse 1. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We get this piece right here, and everything flows from that. If we're offering ourselves to God a living sacrifice, if we're giving ourselves to him, and we're pleasing him, and we're following his will, everything else from our life flows from that. This is the bedrock. This is the bottom. Worship is me presenting myself to God as a living sacrifice. Living a holy and acceptable life molded to his plan to fulfill his will in my life. It's me giving myself to God and say, God, I have plans, I have dreams, I have aspirations, but I'm giving my life to you for you to do in it what you want to do. And I trust you for the results. Too many times we, we give our life to God, but we, ch- we still choose to make our own decisions without consulting him, without checking if, that's, if, if what we're doing and what we want to do is God's plan and God's will for our life. And we may have started out presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, but as soon as we take back control... As soon as we take the reins and we start making our own decisions and we start making, we, making sure we get what we want and taking care of our dreams and making sure they happen by ourselves, that's the moment that our worship stops. Because true worship is me presenting myself to God and saying, God, I completely trust you. Here's what I want. You know, the Bible says he'll give us the desires of our heart. And he's the God of exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. So why is it that we hiccup so much and we, we, we don't trust God with the results and we make sure if we want something badly enough, we make sure we get it. And sometimes we'll make decisions and do things and then ask God to bless us. And at that point, we're not worshiping. We're doing our own thing and hoping he cleans up our mess. And sometimes we make a mess, don't we? But if we can get this Romans passage down, where we present ourselves to God and we trust him for the results and we're living our lives to please him in alignment with the word of God, I promise you things will work out. Things will work out. He will take care of you. You will have what you need. You'll get prayers answered. You'll get desires of your heart. But let's start there and let everything flow out from there. So let's, let's get back to the how. How? Let, let's, let's, I want to I contrast something real quick. Let's talk about praise and worship. Is that okay? We're having a worship event next week that's going to be awesome. And I want, it, I want it to be something that comes from deep inside of us, not from something that we come and enjoy ourselves. Does that make sense? Let's talk about praise and worship. They are not the same thing. 
We, we use the terms interactively together, and, and, and we, we say praise and worship, praise and worship. They are not the same thing. Praise is described as a joyful act in response to what God has done. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him for His mighty acts. When he's talking about praising on the cymbals and drums, he's praising for his excellent greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise is a physical response because of something God has done. Worship is simply because of who he is. He's God and we're not. And we worship God simply because he is God and he doesn't matter what he's done or what he hasn't done for us. We worship him because he's God. We praise him because of what he's done for us. We praise him because he saved us, because he died for us, because he heals us, because he provides for us. There's a difference in praise and worship. Praise is superficial. Worship is deep. Praise is superficial, but worship is deep. Think about the guy who hits a grand slam. He gets praise. But you let him strike out the next six times. It's gone. Praise is superficial. It's because what you have done. And we praise God because of what he's done for us. Praise is described as a joyful act in response to what God has done. All through the Bible, we're commanded to praise with various methods, with singing, with shouting, with musical instruments, with dancing. That's why we have exuberant worship, because we're commanded to worship God with all these things. It's not supposed to be a quiet, contrite thing when we praise. It's supposed to be loud and noxious. Who's ever been to a concert? The older I get, the harder it is. When I was a teenager, I would drive with my stereo so loud that I couldn't hear anything. And I loved it. And when I would go to a concert or any kind of live music, I would get right in front of the speaker. And I would love to feel my clothes shaking against my skin. And I, I love that too. But the older I get, the harder that is for me to do because I'm already half deaf from all that plus shooting all the guns. I mean, when you play your music so loud, your clothes shake. And when you shoot guns that make your clothes shake, if you don't wear the proper hearing protection, which I didn't a lot of the time, then things happen to your hearing. And it, it goes. And it has. And it's continuing to. But our, our praise isn't meant to be quiet and hands folded. When, when the psalmist talks about praising God with, with singing and dancing and shouting and musical instruments and high-sounding symbols, symbols and all those things, that's, that's exuberant, kind of maybe even obnoxious party music. Am I like party music? No, nobody, not one person raised your hand. Some of y'all are still lie in the house of God. But all through the Bible, we're commanded to praise for what God has done. It's closely intertwined with thanksgiving. As we offer back to God appreciation for what he has done for us. That's praise. That's superficial. We're excited. We're happy. But we even praise when things aren't so good. Right? We praise God for what he's done even when he's not doing what we want him to right then. There, there are times in my life where God isn't doing what I want him to do right then. And it's tough to praise God in those times sometimes. But, but if, I, if I just take a minute and step back and, and think about all the things he has done already in my life, then I still have reason to praise. 
I still have reason to give thanks and, and praise back to him because even if he's not doing what I want him to do right now, even if he didn't answer the prayer that I prayed today, he answered the one I prayed yesterday. And he takes care of me every day. And he died for my sins. He was beaten for my healings. And I can thank him for that. I, I thank God for what he's done for me. Here's the key difference. Praise can be applied to other relationships. You can praise your kids for their good grades. You can praise them when they listen to you. You can thank God when they listen to you. You can praise your spouse. You can praise your coworkers. Who remembers when Cal Ripken had 2131? What was it, 23 minutes? Was it 23 minutes? A 23-minute ovation. That was praise. That was loud. That was obnoxious. That's not worship, hopefully. Hopefully it stopped after 23 minutes and didn't go on, and somebody's getting tattoos of Cal Ripken and stuff. That's a little crazy. Awesome. 20 minutes of praise. You can praise other things, but worship comes from a different place. And worship is reserved for only one. You can praise your car because it runs well. You can praise your car because it's comfortable. The heater works when it's supposed to. You can praise anything you want, but you can only worship one thing, and that's God. Worship is reserved for God alone. In Luke 4, 8, this is Jesus talking to Satan again. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is the art of losing yourself. In the adoration of another. That's what worship is. Worship is, is not just saying, thank you, Jesus. Worship is something deeper that comes from a place that's deep inside of you and that's, that's full of gratitude. And it's losing yourself in the adoration of God. Praise can be part of worship, but worship goes way beyond praise. Praise can be part of worship, but worship goes way beyond praise. Praise is easy. Praise is easy. Worship isn't. It's not easy because worship gets to the heart of who you are. It gets inside of you. To truly worship God, to truly worship God, in accordance with Romans 12.1, we have to let go of ourselves. In worship, we humble ourselves before God and surrender to his control in our lives. In worship, we adore him, not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. Worship isn't an act. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not something we do on Sunday. It's not something you do on first Wednesday. Worship is a lifestyle, not an occasional activity. Worship is Romans 12. It's offering ourselves to God, our true and proper worship. The Bible illustrates, we read in Psalm to kick, to kick off today, different posture and tone and when it references praise and worship versus, versus uh, worship. And, and, and praise is described as joyful, boisterous, uninhibited. The tone has changed completely with worship. It's, it's, it's mentioned with bowing down and kneeling and clear acts of submission. When somebody kneels down before you, they're submitting to you. When we kneel before God, we're showing submission to Him and to his plan. It shows humility. It shows contrition. It shows the proper place where we're supposed to be when we worship, when we truly worship God. It's through worship that we invite God's spirit to speak to us. It's through worship that we allow God's spirit to convict us. We don't like to talk about conviction a lot, but, but we need to talk about conviction. 
Because when we, when we posture ourselves in worship, that's when God's spirit convicts us of the wrong and the sin in our life. God's spirit lets me know if I'm saying things I'm not, that I shouldn't be saying. It lets me know if I'm going places I shouldn't be going. It lets me know if I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. That's when God speaks to me is when I am worshiping him. It's through worship that he speaks to us and convicts us and even comforts us. Because there are going to be times where you're, having a, a, you're in a, a tough spot, a tight spot. And you worship God in spite of all that. And it's those times that his spirit, com- his spirit is the comforter. It's those times that he comforts us. It's, it's those times of lack or, or, or sickness or death. Anything that's, that's weighing on us and oppressing us. We go to God and we worship him. But not because of what he's doing or what's going on in our life. We worship him because of who he is. And that's when he comforts us. And through worship which is submission to his plan. It's presenting ourselves to him, a living sacrifice. Through worship, we align our priorities with God's. If all we do is come in here on Sunday and praise a little bit, your priorities are still going to be yours. You're going to come in here, and you're going to feel better for being here every single time. Our worship team is amazing, and how anybody can sit down to that, I don't know. But you're going to come in here and you're going to feel good. You're going to do your thing and you're going to leave. And you're still going to have your plan. You're still going to have your will. You're still going to have your priorities. But man, when you get something deeper, when you submit your life to God, and when you give your life to him completely and submit to his plan in every area of your life, that's when something happens. That's when something happens. True worship is the evidence of a life given to God. And through worship, through us giving ourselves to him and letting him work in our lives and and perfect his will in us, that's when our priorities are aligned with where they're supposed to be. Worship is an attitude of my heart. Worship is an attitude of my heart. I can go through outward motions and I can praise, but I cannot be worshiping. You can be asleep at the wheel, but true worship, true worship is very, very intentional. And here's the deal. Next Sunday, we're having an event called Encounter. Our worship team is going to be doing some stuff. We're having some guests to come do some stuff, and it's going to be an opportunity to simply worship God. And we can let one of two things happen in that atmosphere. We can come together And we can praise, and we can have a good time and go home. Or we can let God do something in our life between now and next Sunday. And we can get in a true posture of worship. And we can dedicate our lives to him, give our lives to him, rededicate our lives to him, recommit our lives to him. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, you can advance. And if we get in the right frame of mind... And the right posture. When next Sunday comes, something amazing is going to happen in your life. I promise you that. Through spoken word, through media, through, through worship, something amazing. I don't want us to get here next week and go through motions and wonder what's going on and just clap our hands and raise our hands and say the words when we're supposed to say the words. I want something to happen and, and a, a transaction to happen on the inside of us that changes who we are, that moves us beyond simply praising God to living a life that worships God. 
that when we go to work on Monday and we go to work on Tuesday and we see our friends, they say, man, what's going on with you? How do you think the gospel spread? How do you think the story gets out? It's your life. It's my life. We are God walking around the world. We are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. And if our story, if we're not reflecting him on Monday through Saturday, why are we coming on Sunday? That'll get in your business. If at any point on Monday through Saturday, somebody can't tell who you, who you say you are and what you profess when you walk in the doors on Sunday morning, what are you doing? When we live Romans 12.1 and we allow God to do something inside of us and we submit our lives to him 100%, we are in the, the act right there of true worship. And I don't want us to show up next week and just simply praise God and say, man, that was cool. We're going to have a surprise for everybody next week too. You'll like it. <laughs> it's going to be a big day. And let me put this out there. You should bring somebody with you. Because this is the kind of thing that will get somebody coming to church that hasn't ever come to church before. And this is for those people. What did Pastor Andrew say at first Wednesday, for those who were here? We're, we're going to do some things that are not for me, but for them. I promise I'll benefit from next week, but this is really for them. So we're going to have special guests here. We're going to have a special surprise here that everybody's going to love. So get somebody here with you next week. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's it. It's a teaser. It's a trailer. Because if I tell you, you'll decide right now if you're going to like it or not. I want you to show up and figure it out for yourself. But when you show up, here's what I don't want. I don't want surface praise. Surface worship. I want something to happen inside of us where between now and then we visit Romans 12 and we submit our lives to God and we give our lives to him and we present our bodies, our lives to him as a sacrifice, which is our act of true worship. If you do that, some of you will. That's what's exciting. And what's sad is some of you won't because you've already made up your mind. You're not going to like it. And guess what? You won't because you've already decided. Because what you choose is what you are. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be huge. And it's going to be fun. So I want us to be here next week with the correct posture. Not walking in judging. I want us to walk in with a heart that says, I'm here to worship. And I'm going to touch God today. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your true worship. It's not when you clap your hands. It's not when you sing the right words. It's not when you do little tricks with your voice. Make it sound better for Jesus. It's not any of that. It's when my heart is right and my life is aligned with, with what his plan is for my life. That's true worship and everything else stems from that. When my life is aligned and his plan is at work in my life, he is doing things in my life and I praise him for those things. That's, that's the chain. So how do we worship? How do we worship? The first thing you do is make a decision to worship. See, God gave us free choice of who we are 
and what we do. And the first thing you have to do is make a decision that says, I am going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I am going to submit my plan to his. I want what he wants for my life. I want to be where he wants me to be. I want to do what he wants me to do. Everything you do starts with a decision. From the socks you put on this morning, or if you didn't. See? That's a decision. The blue ones, the red ones, the white ones, or none. You made a decision where you were going to eat yesterday. And what you were going to drink. And where you were going to go. And who you were going to go with. Everything we do, down to the most mundane thing that we do on a daily basis, starts with a decision. So the decision for me to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that's, that's my true act of worship. It starts with me being transformed by the renewing of my mind, which all starts with what? With a decision that I am making a change in my life, that I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ.